describe to me what other people might consider the worst moment of your life, the most painful moment of your life so far? If other people were describing that, they'd probably describe um, that time, that, that, that know me. You know, outside of some of the experiences I've had in my childhood, that time around six, seven years ago where I really went deep into myself. And that breakup was a catalyst for a lot of change and transformation, but not without pain and, I mean, you know, suicide was, the contemplation of suicide was a daily function in my life. It was very, what that, what stuff was coming up that was very confronting for me was very, it was profound and prolific and also very intense. And so I had to navigate those waters and the, the people in my life that were with me then that witnessed that in various respects, of course, would probably say that would be some of the most challenging times. And how do you look back at that experience now? With great gratitude and deep, deep appreciation for, for my partner at the time and for myself. Really just a lot of love for myself and what I, what I chose to go through as opposed to not choosing to remain in ignorance and what I chose to move through to be the person I am today. Hey guys, and welcome to the latest episode of Fulfillionaire Live. Uh, we are here in coronavirus. I'm in a bedroom with a bunch of blankets and pillows. If you haven't been seeing the Inspiring the World Through Media series, I've been teaching you on how to make better videos and better audio quality. You should go check that out because it's actually really funny sometimes and I show you lots of helpful information. Today's episode is the second episode on self-love, maybe the most important part of becoming a Fulfillionaire. And we have an amazing guest today who is an old friend of mine that I met in Jamaica at A-Fest by Mind Valley, and he coaches men on how to be better men and he's married to Christine Hassler who coaches women on how to be better women and they do a lot of other things and I'm sure I'm doing a disservice by describing it in just those simple terms but without any further ado let's go ahead and meet the legend Stefanos Sifandos. There's essentially these buckets of life that I talk about. Bucket one is money, self-love, and health. And what I say is, if you don't fill bucket one, at least to the level that you feel is safe and secure, bucket two will be very hard for you, which is community and relationships. Mm -hmm. And if you don't fill community and relationships along with bucket one, it'll be very hard to fill bucket three, which is contributing to things that are bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. Generosity, right? So if you don't have your own stable ground, it'll be very hard to be generous forever. And then if you don't fill bucket three, It'll be very hard to do bucket four, which is changing the world beyond recognizability. For instance, uh, creating the internet. Like the people that created the internet changed the world irrevocably. It will never be the same. The iPhone, it will never be the same. And so these are the bucket systems that I talk about. Bucket four for me is really about spirituality. And so anyone that's gone through these really profound world changes, Steve Jobs and the like, have had these really spiritual backgrounds. And they've really come from a, from a place of uh, wonder of the universe. And I think that's a piece of what's allowed them to change the world at that scale. Yeah. And also just the ambition that they wanted to. A lot of people could do it and maybe don't want to, and that's okay. Yeah. So the topic that I wanted to interview you about and talk to you about is self-love. Mm. Big one. And 
Yeah, huge, huge. Actually, I would consider the most important. So of bucket one, self-love is the one that kind of underlays and is the foundation to everything else being stable with your money and your health and then going further down the bucket system. And so the first question I have for you around self-love is tell me about the internal monologue that goes through your head every day. Well, it varies. Varies every day. The internal monologue definitely changes, and it changes not so much what's happening in my environment, but how I'm choosing consciously and unconsciously to interact with my environment. My relationship to what I'm making things in my environment, people, circumstances, objects, things mean, what I'm making them mean. And so to really answer that question honestly, the the normative monologue for me is definitely one of deepened appreciation and gratitude. Gratitude for myself, my health, how I move through the world, how I behave, what I think, what I feel. Because there's this definite, noticeable, deep appreciation. And what I mean by deep appreciation is I, I physically recognize, I, I physically recognize in my life what is, what is of value. For example, this morning, I finished doing some training and I turned the light off. I was in the garage. I turned the light off and it instantly went off. And I thought to myself, fuck, fuck, I'm lucky. I'm so lucky that I literally flick, press a button or a switch and almost instantly, not getting into physics here, but almost instantly the light goes on and off. And I remember being, when I used to live in, in Australia at my grandmother's house, very old house, over 100 years old, you turn the light on, I'd press the button and it would flicker and flicker, sometimes for 60 seconds before the light would come on. And I remember myself years ago getting so frustrated, so frustrated. And I thought back this morning to that time, it came to me, I thought, wow, I was so fast paced, so edgy, so erratic in my behavior back then. And now I just felt this overwhelming sense of peacefulness, just being able to turn that light on and off. And, and then thinking, so many people don't even have access to that don't have access to any energy. And so that, that monologue of self-love for me, of appreciation, because I, I really connect the two in an intimate way, gratitude and appreciation and self-love, it fills me for most of, most of the day. And then there are times when I revert back to old conditioned familiar patterns, which is I'm not good enough, I'm hard on myself. I have a very harsh inner tonality. If I drop something, I'm cursing and carrying on. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm tense in my nervous system and physical being. And that comes from my environment, you know, what I, what I grew up with, what I witnessed, what I was exposed to. And it took me many, many years to realize that and also move beyond that. And do we ever move beyond anything like our, our core conditioning? Uh, yes and no. I, I don't think we necessarily do. I think it's imprinted in us. I don't think it's fixed. I just think we have a propensity to come back to it, but our relationship can definitely evolve multiples of 360 degree to that thing or to that relationship. And so for me, self-love is uh, something that I'm deliberate with and I practice daily because A, I think and feel that I need it and I feel all of us need it. Um, and... I can definitely fall into that trap of not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy enough, not feeling that I'm doing enough, associating my actions and my behaviors with 
my intrinsic value that I know exists, but I forget sometimes. So most of the time I'm in deep gratitude and appreciation for me, my body, my mind, my abilities, everything I've cultivated, created in my world, and beyond that, just the intrinsic value of me having breath um, and being conscious, having some form of awareness and creation in the world. And there are some times where I do slipstream into some really dense thought and self-love eludes me. So let me ask you, what are, I have, I have a two-part question. The first part I feel like is very important, which is what are you trying to build in the world today? Like what is, what does your future look like? Yeah. So immediately I answer that in two ways. What am I creating and building for myself? And what am I creating and building for everything that is not me per se as the physical being of me? In other words, what's my service to humanity? How am I showing up in my relationships? How am I present? What characteristics and virtues am I valuing that I exhibit on a regular basis that contribute to making me me? And so what I'm creating in the world is exploration. What I'm creating in the world for me is curiosity. So break that down for me. When you say exploration and curiosity... This, this might be really minutiae to you, but I think a lot of people would really benefit from hearing why you choose those words and what are, what are some of the experiences that brought you to discover why those are so important? Yeah. So if I break down exploration and curiosity, it's creating mystery and unknown in my life, as much of that as possible, so that it's almost asking, well, what's next? What's possible? Because if I'm asking what's possible... Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm creating or I'm creating containers and structures for something to exist, but I'm also not purposely filling those containers all of the time. I don't want to always be in the known. That's also boring to some extent, and it's not as exciting, and, and it diminishes for me exploration, and it numbs my curiosity. So I want to be in the mystery, and that is also surrendering to the present moment and surrendering to any future moments that I'm potentially creating as well. That doesn't mean I don't have a plan. Of course I have a plan. I have Was there plans. a time in your life when you were living in complete known and comfort? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Tell me about that. Were, yeah, yeah, and there, there were times in my life where I was extremely unhappy and on edge. And I, I really struggled to be in uncertainty and the unknown. I really struggled to be in pain or anything that I couldn't control. Can you tell me of, about that specifically? Yeah, sure. Where were you? Yeah, how yeah. old were you? And what were the situations? Yeah, yeah, most of my life is the answer. But one that one that's that's really relevant and that that springs to mind immediately is, uh, you know, a number of years ago, I was in a relationship where uh, I was unfaithful in that relationship, and she found out. And it was really that whole experience was a catalyst for going into some of my behaviors, how I was being with myself and how I was being with others. And I made a choice to not ignore these behaviors of dishonesty and, and unfaithfulness and, and more, more importantly, lying, just this, this, this complete facade that I was living from, to myself and to others. And I really started to observe very closely all of my relationships. And as I started to unpack myself, I started to realize and recognize that, wow, I'm really living a lie. I'm really living in this, this facade, this, this made-up reality. 
And I thought, well, what, what am I really? And in that moment, I became very scared to even explore that and go into that. Because I knew I would have to explore my shadows, these darker aspects of self, these quote-unquote ugly aspects of self that carried a lot of shame and guilt and fear and pain and trauma. And I'd been polarizing. I'd been avoiding that for so long, and I just couldn't do that anymore. And that was very confronting. And in that confrontation, I again had to make more decisions around, do I want to leap in? Do I want to fall into this mystery, into what is here? Because I haven't explored this for 30 years of my life. What does it actually mean? Yeah, so there was a, a fear around commitment and freedom, two fears around commitment and freedom. And that, that looked like not wanting to go all in on any experience, whether it be starting a business or getting a business loan or being in a relationship. I had adversity. Uh, I, I was just so, there was so much tension and this internal tug of war within me. Anything that was com you know committal required my full attention and meant that I couldn't really, in my perception, I couldn't go outside of that commitment whatever it was, right? And that means I'd be limited in my expression. And that really touched on this, this tension around freedom and wanting freedom, being able to do whatever I want, however I want, whenever I want, wherever I want. And so I had to really explore the meaning that I'd laid on these two very important parts of my life, commitment and freedom. Parts of all of our lives and what I made those mean. And, and that was... That was very difficult because it was very unknown. And so, again, I had to come back to this immersion into the unknown in order to, I had to go in to get out. In order to be free, I had to, to be truly free, I had to experience what I was fearing the most. How did you figure this out? Like, how did you figure out that you wanted to dive in? Like, where did these issues of commitment come from? And how did you find that out? Well, they came. They came from. They came from my upbringing. What I witnessed in my parents, the violence that I experienced, the abuse, the, their relationship dynamic, and what I made that mean, and how I interpreted that, and how I discovered and unpacked that was with support and help, and also journeying on my own. Um, so I had counselors, I had psychologists, I had shamans, I had spiritual healers and guides. I had varying perspectives because I was very fragile within my own psyche because of what I was exploring. And so I couldn't do it, quote unquote, on my own. I needed guidance and support and mentorship. And so I sought that and I, and I, and I created that in my life, in my world. And, and I also spent a great deal of time on my own exploring the inner chasms of my own psyche, my emotional state and my spirituality. So it was a combination of both. And how would you recommend if someone feels like they're at that place where they want to find support, find mentorship, and they want to really go down this path, now that you've been down so many of these paths, like mm. what would be the steps that someone would, would take to go down this road? Find someone that you resonate with and trust and find someone that's been into the darkness themselves, that's been into the very uncomfortable places themselves. Because it's those people that have uh, a treasure map, that have a roadmap. And it's their own, it's their own. However, the feeling is not unfamiliar. And so when they witness you going into very intense places, they can hold you through that without panic, which doesn't, which if they can hold you without panic, it doesn't add further fear to your already fearful process.
And would you recommend finding this person physically, online? What would be the process there? It, 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 honestly, the resonance, the trust, and the, 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 the characteristic of ensuring that they've been to those places as well within their, within their own dynamic, that's the most important thing. I, I, I work both with physical and virtual, and both have merit and value. Um, it really depends on the relationship dynamic and the individual. That's the most important thing. You can be a little more loose with the in physical or, or virtual. Got it. So as an example, like I realize that there's some stuff going on that I don't like that doesn't feel like me anymore. It used to feel mm -hmm. like me and then the curtain was pulled back and I'm like, okay, I want to go through and I want to change this stuff. And what you're saying is I, I should try to find support, of course. I should look at my close relationships and figure out who's helping and who's not. And I should seek out someone who can be more of a mentor, more support. And to do that, maybe the most important thing is that I get along with this person and I trust this person intuitively. That's part of it. You also want to ensure they have skills. They literally have professional skills, training and education in, in the matters of mind-body connection and mind-body and, and, the, and the psyche and emo and um, understanding the emotional body as well. They're literally schooled in these things. It doesn't have to be traditional school, but they have legitimate education and experience as well in navigating these waters. They're not just some fucking rogue um, that say they can do this and do that. They are also they also have frameworks that they can lean on. They also have they also have other mentors themselves that they can lean on. That they are confident in their in their own selves, not arrogant, but confident that they are genuine in their practice as well. And uh, importantly, that they are willing to help. This is part of their service and their dharma in, in the world. And so you going through all this, what's been the result of it? Well, for me, it's been a clarity, a clarity in my own path, number one, and in no particular order, uh, a freeing of these fears that I were, was unconsciously attached to that were influencing and impacting my life, my perception of self, my self-worth, my relationships, the quality of my relationships, all of that shifted, man. I started attracting and bringing in amazing human beings in my life at a far more genuine level. I was creating wealth and abundance for myself at a more consistent level instead of this start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. It was just so erratic. The way I referred to myself, the way I related to myself shifted from that very dense negative energetic to one that was a lot lighter. I, you know, I, more of my true self was really revealed. That was, that was the magic that happened, that, that helped break me through. And when you say your true self, can you, can you break that down even more for me in concrete terms? What is that, what is feeling more like my true self like? Yeah, just, I was less scared. I, I was less, I was less limited. I placed less less limitations on myself. I believed in myself a great deal more. I was more radiant in who I was. I spoke my truth as opposed to hiding behind masks and not wanting to upset anyone. I was less aggressive, less tense, less agitated and frustrated. I projected less on people. I just owned my shit. I owned who I was and I was okay with that. I didn't judge myself so harshly for it. And the moment I stopped judging myself, or at least slowed that right down, I stopped judging others and started letting people in more. I became more vulnerable, but from a confident place, not from a leaky, watery place. And, and I became more fun-loving and light 
I, I, I didn't sweat the, the small stuff like I used to. That, that you know, that's, that's it there. And so it's so great that you brought us there. Earlier you mentioned in your, I think it was your grandmother's house in Australia, yeah. Yeah. when you would flick the light switch and there'd be 60 seconds yeah. of like flickering until the yeah. light would actually go on. Yeah, the fluorescent bulbs, the old ones, yeah. And you said something that was really profound. You said something to the extent of, I have so much gratitude for this instant access to energy because I've been through a period where that access was limited and there was like this flickering that I always needed to expect on all the lights. And it sounds like this journey you're talking about of realizing our shadows and then stepping into that, that unknown, right? This exploration and curiosity that you brought up is this, once you get through and into that unknown comfortably, it's like maybe that start, stop, start, stop flickering energy that you had <laughs> became this instant access to just clean energy that now you can be grateful for. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, man. I was, you know, I was, I was privileged. I mean, I still am privileged. I, I believe I am a very privileged individual, um, but my relationship to that now is very different. But I was entitled, you know, I was egoic and entitled. Uh, so like, why the fuck isn't this light turning on? And, you know, don't get me wrong, even even from a young child, I would think of others. I mean, I wanted to be the UN Secretary General when I was like six or seven years old. Uh, because I, all, all the pain I was experiencing as a kid, and I would see on TV all these kids in famine and starving. I think, well, I've got food, but I, I feel unsafe. But at least if I'm, you know, this UN Secretary General, the leader of the UN, which I thought was this magic organisation, back when I was younger, six, seven, eight years old, I thought, well, I can help the kids. I can, you know, save them. and all. So... I always had that from a very young age, and that is a byproduct of my environment, and I'm grateful for that. However, I still felt entitled, um, and I would be so frustrated and impatient. You know, I heard something interesting this morning. When I when I train, I, I listen to Advaita Vedanta a lot, and the Swami was speaking about patience, and he was saying patience isn't isn't something bad happening to you, or something that is annoying happening to you, and you are fuming inside, yet you remain calm on the outside. That's not patience. Patience is when we're able to legitimately be calm within ourselves, be curious as to why is this happening for me, I'm paraphrasing now, and also be calm on the outside. So the outside of our behavior and expression reflects the inside of who we are. That is true patience. And so many people say patience as a virtue is just unparalleled. And from that perspective, it really is because you sort of start to look at life and you start to understand this, this duality isn't really a duality. It's more of a blending. It's more of nothing bad's happening or nothing's good is happening. We become less controlled by the events in our lives and more open and curious to the experiences that unfold in patience. And I'm, I'm moving, I'm consciously doing my best to move more into that and not not be so affected by things that happen, whether it's war, whether it's famine, whether it's someone telling me that I'm not good at something, whatever it may be, right, is not taking it so personally into heart and just being with the experience and in observation. Something else that he speaks to as well, which is interesting, he says there's the intellect and the mind. The mind is that which observes, which assesses. It doesn't make decisions though. It just assesses. It's in constant observation, very erratic. And the mind can be more connected to the primal brain, maybe even the limbic system or the cerebellum. 
And the intellect is more in the prefrontal cortex if we're talking brain development. And it's the mind that it's the part of the mind or the aspect of self that makes decisions, that says yes or no, moves forward, moves back, retracts, whatever. And the mind, the quality of the mind and the decisions it makes is predicated on many things. And one of those things is how patient can we be? How much can we slow it down? And I notice in my life, when I slow life down, I grow. I'm more content. I'm less erratic. I feel more peaceful. I don't feel as stressed. I feel what I call desirable emotions and states as opposed to undesirable emotions and states. You know, on Saturday, brother, I had a bit of a scare because I have a, I have a narrow esophagus. And for all of my life, every now and then, I'll either eat too fast or I'll eat the wrong combination of food or I'll be in haste, right? And it would get stuck and I'd have to regurgitate it. And sometimes it would just come straight back out. I'd drink some water and then the water would flush whatever remnants is out down and I could just continue to eat. And sometimes that wouldn't happen. The water would get stuck here and I'd have to regurgitate the water and regurgitate all of the food before I can get water down. And the process may take a few minutes, maybe 10, 15 max. On Saturday, long story short, I had some pills. I had too many. I had some food. I ate too quick. I was in a rush. Seven, eight hours, man, of me, of yeah, of regurgitation and my esophagus basically convulsing and spasming. And, and I got, I got, yeah, I got, I got scared. I thought, mm. I was very calm because I knew that if I started to panic, I would, it would tense up more and I would, I would, I would blow out more. And I said to Christine, I said, I've got to go to the, we got, we have to go to the ER now because we'll, you know, back and forth. I can't move this. Usually I move it within minutes, eight hours, nearly eight hours. This is ridiculous. And as soon as I said, let's go to the hospital, it, the, the thing that needed to unblock, because it kept coming up, stuff kept coming up, but it unblocked. I couldn't even swallow saliva. It unblocked. I had water and it was all good. I was like, wow, wow, just like that. But here's the lesson from that for me. Got to slow down. Even my shaman says, Steph, you just got to slow down. Just slow down. I thought, okay, it's time to slow down. So I fasted for three days to give the esophagus a rest from, you know, processing and moving and, and so forth just drunk water and herbal tea and really thought it to myself I just want to slow life down a little more because it's really not worth the discomfort and the rigmarole of what would have had to happen if that didn't unblock and so that mind that I referred to earlier that makes decisions can be informed greater when we slow life down and we start unpacking our values and our beliefs and our models of reality and our pains and our fears and all the suppressed stuff that we have. And we begin that journey with being curious. What else is there to me that maybe I don't know about? And just asking that question sets the brain on a tangent, a tangential process of searching, exploring. So, yeah. What would be, like you just gave us a great exercise to do of what is there about me that I still haven't really dug into and, and thought about and processed, what would be maybe a couple more questions? So let's say I answer that and I say, um, what's something about me that I haven't dug into? Um, it's hard to go to bed at a certain time of night because I'm so inspired to, to do more that my mind is just excited to continue working at night, but I know it will be better for me to wake up earlier. So let's say I, I, that's one of my things that I'm like, I need to dig into that more and figure out like, 
Why can't I just say, like, if I truly loved myself, I would sleep earlier so that I can get up earlier and keep doing the same thing that I would have done if I stayed up later? What would be, like, the next question you could ask? For me, the next question that I would ask is why am I also not accepting that part of me as it is and why am I not adapting around it? And then I would delve deeper into acceptance and self-worth and visibility and how I'm seen. And then let's say on one side of it, you have the acceptance and you're like, that's just who I am. I love that that's who I am and I'm so excited to do things that I have that much energy to just continue. And on the other side, you're like, maybe I should just slow down, like you said, and yeah. and try to go to bed earlier so that I can have this more productive start to the day rather than wake up later. And where, how do you... Is, is there a right answer here or how can I, how can I find what answer is mm. going to, going to work for yeah. me? Yeah. And that, and that's the keys that work for you because it's different for everyone. I mean, I think exploring all the important elements of that productive day, uh, an early start to the day. Do I need that? Do I want that? Uh, is being inspired and creating more important than having a particular model of how I need to function during the day? Is it okay if I'm getting up later? What am I making these things mean? What meaning am I layering on top of it? And finding, just asking questions around all the important elements of this and sitting with it. If, if we're in a more intellectual cognitive process, right? And, and coming to a conclusion of what serves you and then practicing that. Literally just experiment with that. And if you wish to be more disciplined in a different way, then just discipline yourself in that way by doing it and experiencing the feelings associated with that is there tension is there resentment is there anxiety and then going into those feelings and we go into those feelings by sitting with them and being with them not distracting ourselves so then we create space for ourselves for those feelings to be felt and it's in that process that the parts of us that we are unfamiliar with begin to unravel themselves and present themselves to us i've got two things number one it sounds like, and we can, I can cut this later if this isn't the truth, but it sounds like maybe the greatest tip you've given so far is any time we feel like distracting ourselves probably is the best time to do anything but distract ourselves. Yeah, do not fucking cut that out. That's gold. That's everything right there is go, lean in to that which we are attempting to avoid. That's where, that's where the, the, the magic is. That's where the, the value is. That's where the worth is. That's where the money is. That's where it all is, right there, is in that mystery. You nailed it, man. That's, that's exactly it. Feel the feelings. Feel the feelings to free ourselves. And freedom represents different things for different people. But freedom is that expansive energy. We all, we all want, crave freedom. Freedom parallel to synonymous with love we crave that because that's what we are in our truest selves is that expansive that expansiveness that expansion it's never ending right however and you talk about that spirituality to me it's expansion and connectedness it's that there it's the it's the it's the darkness it's the it's the the potential it's the infinite potential it's where everything exists and nothing exists simultaneously which is difficult for us to conceptualize as 3D human physical beings as well. 
and anyone that's gone in into any form of um, deep esoteric practice, whether it's through uh, medicine, like whether it's through plant medicine or whether it's through meditation or breath or other other avenues, you, you can relate to what I'm saying, where you collapse duality and, and reality, conventional reality in that sense. Do you have any favorite uh, book recommendations on these topics of like if someone was new to this and, and this is the first time they're hearing this conversation but they're really resonating and saying like fuck i hate myself sometimes and i don't want to do that mm. Where, what's my first couple steps if i want to just dip my toes in and i'm like i, I want to change and i want to love myself yeah i would i would start i mean there's many books around self-love you can just do a google search or amazon search self-love book no problem so I, when you first asked me that question, intuitively what came up was Joe Dispenza. I would I would go to Joe Dispenza as a reference point um, to start to understand the nature of that or the potential nature of our reality, and then I would I would go and delve deeper into self love. Um, who could I recommend for self love? I mean, Byron Katie's great for for some self love practice. You know, more more modern conventional. Um, for me, I lean into Eastern mysticism. It, it has all the answers for me, or all the all the questions rather than the answers. <laughs> um, so Advaita Vedanta or Vedanta Vedantic philosophy um, is really powerful, and some of the ancient texts, which ancient Greek, ancient Rome. Um, but but start with Joe Dispenza. I think I think people will get a lot out of that. He has a more masculine way of expressing himself. But that's not wrong or right. It's just, is, is it relatable to you? Um, Radical Self-Compassion is a good book as well. Um, that's actually a really good book. Start there too. Very easy to read. Um, I can't remember the author though. Beautiful. And do you, I know you do a lot of uh, coaching specifically for men, but I know you've done a lot for women as well and you're stepping more into that space. What do you have anything that people can get access to uh, that kind of gets them started on this journey? You mean um, actions they can take? Either actions or readings, um, any video series that you feel like would be exceptionally helpful for newbies? Just getting started on a journey of curiosity and exploration. Mm -hmm. Um. Depending on what you're really interested in, I mean, I know you and I love Ken Wilber, but he's very dense. <laughs> he's very, very intense. But Ken Wilber covers life. I mean, he really covers life. I don't know if he's more newbie. I think he's more intermediary beyond, you know? Mm -hmm. um, Ken Wilber's very advanced, but... Um, well, and, and even within your own, do you, you still have Reclaim Your Kingdom and all of that running? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can jump on my YouTube channel mm -hmm. um, and there are many, many informational videos there, informative videos and videos that have many exercises. And my YouTube channel is at, at Stefanos Safandos um, that have exercises, tools, practices. Um, there's there's mini series that I have on YouTube, all free content. And I have a, I have a heap of uh, courses as well. I have Chaos to Clarity, which is a life evolution course. I have uh, the conscious warrior, re, re, the conscious man, or reclaim your kingdom, which is specifically for men, um, and helping men navigate this world and this life and relationships and their own sense of masculinity as men. Um, I have uh, another course I'm a part of my beloved and I, Christine. It's called Mastery. Again, just 
really helping us identify in the world. Mastery is an amazing course, actually. There's, it really covers every area of life in very simple, succinct ways. Emotional, physical, spiritual, psychological, relationship, um, the health aspect of life. So there's some really good stuff there. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. And uh, let me know, how much time do I have with you left? A few, couple of minutes. Okay. Let me ask you this one big question. I'll do the intro yeah, after yeah. you have to go. Um, describe to me what other people might consider the worst moment of your life, the most painful moment of your life so far. If other people were describing that, they'd probably describe um, that time, that, that, that know me. You know, outside of some of the experiences I've had in my childhood, that time around six, seven years ago where I really went deep into myself, and that breakup was a catalyst for a lot of change and transformation, but not without pain. And I mean, you know, suicide was, the contemplation of suicide was a daily function in my life. It was very, what that, what stuff was coming up that was very confronting for me was very, it was profound and prolific and also very intense. And so I had to navigate those waters and the, the people in my life that were with me then that witnessed that in various respects, of course, would probably say that would be some of the most challenging times. And how do you look back at that experience now? With great gratitude and deep, deep appreciation for, for my partner at the time and for myself. Really just a lot of love for myself and what I, what I chose to go through as opposed to not choosing to remain in ignorance and what I chose to move through to be the person I am today. Beautiful. Well, thank you for being on the show and uh, I'll get to do your introduction in a minute here. Um, yeah, thanks for just making it all work and I'm excited to see your new video set up soon and I think people are gonna get a lot out of this and I'm, I'm excited to share it with them. So hopefully we get to do you, another brother. one soon, maybe even if I come through Austin.